The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We greet you here in the nave of Marsh Chapel, 735 Commonwealth Avenue, in the heart of Boston University, a heart in the heart of the city, and a service in the service of the city of Boston. My name is Brother Larry Whitney. I have the privilege of serving as University Chaplain for Community Life here at Marsh Chapel. I bear greetings on behalf of our Dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, who is away this week but looks forward to being back with us next Sunday. Special word of welcome to our preacher, the Reverend Victoria Hart Gaskell, who bears the word for us this morning. Whether you are listening on the radio at WBUR 90.9 FM throughout New England, on the internet at WBUR.org, around the world on the podcast at bu.edu slash chapel, or are present here in your midst, we invite you to lift your spirits as we join together in worship, even as our gathered congregation here stands in the praise of God. Thank you. 
Let us pray. Keep, O Lord, your household, the Church, in your steadfast faith and love, that through your grace we may proclaim your truth with boldness and minister your justice with compassion. For the sake of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Hear these words of our Lord Jesus Christ. You shall love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Let us confess our failure to love God with heart, soul, and mind, and our neighbor as ourselves, as the choir sings our traditional Kyrie. Dearly beloved, if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of Exodus, chapter 19, verses 2 through 8. They had journeyed from Rephidim, entered the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the Israelites, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the Israelites. So Moses came, summoned the elders of the people, and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. The people all answered as one, Everything that the Lord has spoken, we will do. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For, for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 116 with Antiphon. the Lord, because he has heard my voice and my supplications. The snares of death encompassed me, the pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. For you have delivered my soul from death my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. What shall I return to the Lord for all his bounty to me? I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. O Lord, I am your servant, I am your servant, the child of your serving girl. You have loosed my bonds. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord, Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapters 9, verse 35 through chapter 10, verse 1, and chapter 10, verses 5 through 8, and verses 14 through 22. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. 
When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. Truly, I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. See, I am sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of them, for they will hand you over to councils and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me as a testimony to them and the Gentiles. When they hand you over, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you at that time. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Pretty nifty, huh? The disciples get to cast out unclean spirits. They get to cure every disease and every sickness. They get to go out on their own to proclaim the good news that the kingdom of heaven is near. They could raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. They are going to be so cool. And then Jesus spoils it. Apparently, even with all this amazing power, some folks are not going to welcome the disciples or pay attention to them. What's this sheep among wolves stuff? Wise as serpents, why do they need to be careful and prudent? And then there's the being handed over, and the flogging, and the dragging before the authorities, to say nothing of the public speaking. Really? Family betrayals and hatred? This is some pep talk. What in the world is Jesus doing? The Gospel of Matthew was written to a Christian community very like that of the disciples. They were just starting to engage in mission. And while Matthew is a gospel, it also has specific features that remind us of a handbook or a manual for teaching. Scholars also note that Matthew is the most Jewish of the gospels, and that the community did not see their Christian faith as a new religion. They saw it as a new constituency of Israel. This brought particular challenges to their mission. The gospel was written after the year 70, in a highly politicized time. In the year 70, the Romans destroyed the Jerusalem temple, which was the center of worship for Israel. So there was then the external challenge of Roman oppression, 
with its calling to account of the Jesus movement within Judaism. There were also the internal concerns within Judaism for Jewish identity and who were to be the true heirs of the covenant. The Gospel of Matthew was written for a community constantly aware of and in discussion with their Jewish roots and identity. And sometimes they were aware and in discussion against them. The warnings of floggings within the synagogue were for apparent violations of the Torah and for consorting with Gentiles. The warnings of family betrayals came out of the griefs and challenges of a family fight within the Judaism of the time. Jesus, as portrayed in Matthew's Gospel, is the Jesus who sees the urgency of the need for mission and empowers his disciples to go out in compassion. He also wants his disciples to know what they will be up against and how to take care of themselves. Our own situation is not so dissimilar from that of Jesus' disciples and the Matthean community. We too are called to share in Jesus' ministry of compassion, to proclaim that the kingdom of God is near. And we too live in a politicized and polarized time. No matter what our political preferences are, the uncertain situation in Washington is the 800-pound elephant in many a room. With this come increasing concerns for the right to protest and to communicate our concerns to government. The return of the church sanctuary movement, the concern for eco-justice and creation care, the incivility, incivility of our debates, and the violence of our racism and sexism and religious self-righteousness. These all speak to our questions of identity and of who has the right to belong, who has the right to power, who has the right to resources. Our family fights as to national and religious identity and inclusion are still a source of grief as well as frustration. How do we put ourselves out there in compassion? And given the challenges, why would we? Well, there are certain themes in our scripture this morning that invite us to take these risks. One is the theme of gratitude. Because we are thankful for what we have received, we don't hoard it, but we share it with others. In Matthew, Jesus reminds his disciples that they have received the good news of God's love and community for free. So they can give their witness to God's love and power freely to others. Paul writes to the church in Rome and reminds them that through Christ, they have the grace and peace of a right relationship with God. They can boast of their hope in sharing God's glory. God's love came to them even when they were estranged from God in sin, to the extent that Christ died for them even before they believed in him. So they can extend God's invitation to love and inclusion to others who do not yet believe. The psalmist testifies to God's help and provision in trouble so that in return he will become God's servant and pay vows to God in the midst of the people. And the Israelites, delivered from Egypt and cared for in the desert, agree to covenant with God in love and obedience. They will become a priestly and holy nation to bring other nations to God. Compassion comes in part from gratitude. It does not come from a place of patronage or superiority. It does not put on a show. Our compassion comes from our own having been loved and cared for in our own challenges and pain. It comes from our gratitude for our release from sin and death and for our freedom in God to choose the good. 
So God, gratitude is something that encourages our compassion. Another theme is that we are not alone. The Spirit companions us. It empowers us to act in compassion. It gives us the words we need to witness in the face of challenge. It pours God's love into our hearts so that we can even boast in our sufferings. Our sufferings produce endurance. That is Paul's favorite verb, endure. Endurance produces in us that character that trusts and expects great things from God. Trust and expectation produce the hope that does not disappoint because we know that God loves us and will help us in our lives and in our work because God has done this for us before. Even if we say with the psalmist, I am greatly afflicted, we can keep our faith. And we are not alone because we companion each other. We have each other in this work to rely upon and to support us. The disciples went out together. The Matthean and Roman churches endured together. The psalmist sang first to his congregation. So we bring our own selves, our talents and resources, our knowledge and our diversity of experience together we do not have to do everything ourselves. We can do our part and know that others are doing theirs for the good of the whole. So it is our past deliverance and present guidance that gives us confidence in being able to carry out our ministry of compassion. And that mission is no small thing. In all these scriptures, we are invited to join in Jesus' ministry of compassion on a large scale. In capital cities like Jerusalem and Rome, and perhaps in Washington. In the cities and villages of a whole country, a county, country, including Boston. In the midst of all the people, as a priestly nation that serves to bring the world to God. It will take a big vision to accomplish a ministry of power and compassion. Because there are a great many persons and groups who have no compassion. They have vested interests to keep people sick, dead, isolated, and enmeshed in evil. Of course, we as individuals and as a community cannot do everything. But the old phrase, think globally, act locally does come to mind. In a globalized world, our sin has far-reaching consequences as it separates us from God, ourselves, and our neighbors. But our acts of compassion have far-reaching consequences as well that bring us together in trust and hope to act in compassion towards love and justice. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. In our ministry of compassion, some of us will take these instructions literally. And even if we don't, there are plenty of folks who are where we may have been, sick in spirit or body or mind in relationships. As we may have, they need healing even more than cure, if cure is only for the symptoms. There are plenty of folks who are where we may have been, dead in despair or numb or hopeless. As we may have, they could use a witness in word or deed to the hope of grace, love, and power. As we may have been, there are plenty of folks that are considered unclean by some standards of birth or religion, who in compassion, justice, and common humanity are to be included in the same love and acceptance that we have received as beloved of God. And there are plenty of demons, forces of systemic and 
person, even personal evil that are to be named and confronted in the name of Jesus and the creativity of the Spirit. Jesus wants us to be aware of the challenges. The work of compassion stirs the pot. It brings to the surface what is down below. It mixes up what has been separated. It distributes the heat. Just because we are doing something right and good does not mean that everybody will like our work, or even like us. But as we act out of gratitude and know that we are not alone, we increase our own faith, hope, and confidence in God, as well as increase faith, hope, and confidence in God in others. The other night I had dinner with a friend. She is a practicing Christian and often speaks of how God's love and provision are at work in her life. She said that she had joined a local group to voice some concerns and include some folks in discussion. The group felt that these folks and concerns were either invisible or were being ignored in the community. She also said that after feeling quite overwhelmed and depressed about these issues, joining the group had given her new energy and hope. The group brought a lot of different experience and talents together. There was a high degree of commitment to the naming of the issues, to the inclusion of those previously excluded, and to practical solutions for the challenges. She was no longer alone in her concerns and her compassion and was grateful for having been introduced to the group. For what do we ourselves have concerns? For whom do we ourselves have compassion? The harvest is still plentiful. The laborers are still few. The Lord of the harvest invites us to join him in the work. With gratitude for what we have been given and the companionship of God and others, we can be confident in our calling and our work. Amen.
Bring, Lord, your better world to birth, your kingdom loves domain, where peace with God and peace on earth and peace eternal reign. Dearly beloved, as we turn our hearts and minds to prayer, I invite you to assume an attitude and posture of prayer, remaining standing, being seated, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail, according to your tradition, as we join together in our call to prayer. Lead me, Lord. We pray for strength to follow Jesus. I will conclude each petition. Savior, we hear your call. Please respond. Help us to follow. Jesus said, Whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. Grant us strength, O God, to require greatness in fidelity of service from those who lead us. Savior, we hear your call. Help us to follow. Jesus said, Unless you change and become humble like little children, you can never enter the kingdom of heaven. Grant us strength, O God, to preserve the promise of your realm for those who repent and to call for repentance from those who take pride in escaping accountability for harming others. Savior, we hear your call. Help us to follow. Jesus said, Happy are the humble. They will receive what God has promised. Grant us strength, O God, to recognize humility and not hypocrisy, as the first fruits of your favor. Savior, we hear your call. Help us to follow. Jesus said, Be merciful as your Father is merciful. Love your enemies and do good to them. Grant us strength, O God, to have mercy on those who speak and fail to act in ways that promote life, health, and peace. Savior, we hear your call. Help us to follow. Jesus said, Love one another as I love you. There is no greater love than this, to lay down your life for your friends. Grant us strength, O God, to honor those who lay down their lives in love, and to demand justice for those whose lives are mown down in fear and anger. Savior, we hear your call. Help us to follow. Jesus said, Go to people everywhere and make them my disciples, and I will be with you always to the end of time. Grant us strength, O God, to persist in the discipleship of Jesus, who magnified the merciful, exalted the humble and meek, 
and scattered the proud in their conceit. Savior, we hear your call. Help us to follow. Holy God, you entrusted your child Jesus, born of Mary, to the care of Joseph, an earthly father, as he grew into a prophet of justice, mercy, and peace. On this Father's Day, bless all fathers as they care for their families, give them strength and wisdom, mercy and patience to persist in love, even as we look to you for love and salvation, through Jesus Christ, our Rock and Redeemer. Amen. And now, with the confidence of children of God, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, the peace of the Lord be always with you. We welcome you once again here to the nave of Marsh Chapel and invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. We note that next Sunday, June 25th, Dean Hill will be back with us, and following the service, we'll be leading a brief vacation Bible school under the title of Pizza and Psalms for those who are young and young of heart. Downstairs in the Marsh Room from 12 to 1.30, if you intend to attend, please be in touch with the chapel office at, at chapel at bu.edu. The following Sunday, July 2nd, begins our Summer Preacher Series for 2017 under the theme of New Directions in Discipleship. The series kicks off with, oh, um, well, I guess you now know what I'll be doing for the next couple of weeks. We look forward to seeing you here each Sunday in June and July for that series. As the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, we invite you to meditate upon Heinrich Schutz's setting of a Martin Luther text, Verle uns Frieden Gnädiglich. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
God of peace, pour out your spirit on these gifts we bring before you, which represent a portion of our earnings, our time, and our labor. May these gifts serve your will in this community and in the world, and give us the grace and courage to be peacemakers throughout our whole lives in the places where you call us to serve. Amen. And now, dearly beloved, let us go from this place in peace, in gratitude, in the companionship of God and one another, to do our work of compassion in the world. In the name of God who makes us, who loves us, who keeps us in everything. Amen. <laughs> 